made some cookies and here's some milk. Oh, great. I'm so thirsty I could drink a horse. <laughs> Boy, are you stupid? It's eat a horse. I could eat a horse. Well, you do whatever you want, Fern. I'm still thirsty. Well, here, have some milk. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Gee, this milk isn't too good. I'm still thirsty. Well, that's because you poured it in your purse, you see. Oh! You're not too bright, are you, Fern? I mean, whatever your name was. <laughs> Lisa! As a matter of fact, you're extremely stupid. Well, you're right, Fern, you know, and I'm proud of it. You know... We all can't be brainy like Fern here. That's why I want to talk to you tonight on behalf of a God-given American right. The right to extreme stupidity. <laughs> Extremely stupid people are discriminated against all the time. And I should know, and so should Fern, because we are... <laughs> Extremely stupid people. Hi, this is Alan Bell, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Live from New York. It's Saturday night! Ted Robertson, along with our guests Doug Hill and Jeffrey Weingrad, co-authors of Saturday Night, a backstage history of Saturday Night Live. The first book to show what really happened behind the scenes of the first ten years of Saturday Night Live. From the battles fought with NBC to the battles fought within the show itself, not to mention the love affairs, betrayals, rivalries, drug problems, overnight successes, and bitter failures that fueled the creation of some of the most outrageous and original comedy Ever seen. I want to talk a little bit about Saturday Night Live's relationship with censor, uh, with with the censors at NBC, and especially in the first few years. It was interesting for me to read about that because, on the one hand, NBC was kind of lenient in the sense that we just, as we just mentioned, because it was a low risk show, they figured nobody was watching it, you know, uh, so they would let things sl slide. On the other hand, it was often contentious, given the subject matter that was used on the show. Saturday Night Live took on, you know, we had mentioned earlier that it had this attitude that it was going to do things differently than conventional TV. This was going to be an honest TV show, and it was intended to be a radical TV show. So it went in uh, from the get-go uh, taking on subjects uh, and addressing subjects uh, with a, in a style uh, and with a frankness that was really shocking to a lot of people uh, in again in the in the older generation and in the executive hierarchies of NBC and that included the standards and practices people and it was a very uh, there were a lot of fights as we describe in the book the uh, the beginning years of the show especially. Saturday Night Live and Lorne Michaels in particular fought, had in numerous regular, pretty much continuous fights about what they could get on the air. And they were fights over whole sketches and oftentimes fights over uh, uh, specific words. I mean, there was a, a legendary fight that went back and forth for at least a week about uh, whether or not they could say bitch uh, the first time on television. And, uh, the, again, c 
credit here, if you if you want to call it credit, I would uh, credit for Saturday Night Live's success in getting this material on the air goes right to Lorne Michaels because he just didn't take no for an answer. Yeah. He would fight, he would negotiate, he would stall, he would threaten. Uh, he was a master at uh, getting around the knee-jerk rejections of material uh, from the standard that the censors uh, would try to impose. Uh, having said that, I should also mention that the first censor the show had was a relatively sympathetic guy who they could talk to. Uh, he was subsequently replaced by uh, a woman who was kind of infamous for being uh, tough and, and uh, very rigid. Yeah, a woman but, who kind of, uh, the way you describe her, she almost seems like a real-life version of the character Jane Curtin played when she did Weekend Up- Update, very uptight. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, I think that's very <laughs> I had never thought of that. Yeah. I had never thought of that, but uh, that's, that's probably, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, she was just very tense and uh, and and fearful. Um, but the you know the general the general state of affairs was is that Saturday Night Live had to fight uh, in the early days to get that material on the air. And one of the sides of the business story that I find uh, very interesting is that once Saturday Night Live became one of the most successful shows on the network. Uh, it suddenly became very much, much easier for them to get pretty much anything they wanted on the air. The censors became much more uh, permissive. Right. It, was, it also went back to the complaints, that, as Lauren kept pointing out. The, you know, let's see what the complaints are. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of complaints in the first show because George Carlin uh, mentioned the word God and not the... Uh, uh, most uplifting way, and uh, but um, uh, so they had some trouble with that. But uh, you know, they they pointed out you know year after year with sketches that look, no one's complaining, yeah. no one's complaining. But they had a gigantic. Uh, and when uh, let me point out too, when Doug says that Lauren would fight for these things, we're talking all the way up past the opening of the show. Yeah, there were times it was, there was one sketch called uh, where they wanted to have a. Uh, uh, a, a takeoff of sorts on the uh, manger yes, story uh, around Christmas. I was and thinking that, of that uh, one, yeah. They, they were gonna, yeah, with the nerds. Yeah. And the nerds, where they would get noogies and stuff and hit people on the head with their knuckles. And and the big the big take on that was the censor just was apoplectic because you can't give noogies to the Virgin Mary. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, as Lauren tried to point out, it's not the Virgin Mary. It's Gilda playing the Virgin Mary. in a... You know, in a sketch that's supposed to be uh, humorous and uh, satirical, and uh, uh, this went on all the time. But uh, Lorne, uh, I don't know that it was over about the senses, and I forget who told us this, uh, Doug, who, who gave us this line. But uh, somebody quote, uh, gave us a great quote about Lorne saying he could talk the skin off of a grape. Yeah, no, he seemed to be in his element. Yeah, uh, I mean, he wasn't a lawyer. But lawyers love to argue, and he seemed, I mean, he seemed to be in his element, and it was, it was a combination of intelligence and passion and just being, he was, you know, um, he was the champion of that show, and so, and he, and he fought for it tirelessly. Uh, that's a really good description, Ed. Um, you know, Lauren, uh, he was just a brilliant, brilliant producer, uh, and it was uh, basically, he was the one that made that show what it was, not only because he could fight the network uh, effectively, but because he hired the people he hired. And, yeah. and we've seen that all through the history of the show. He's had a pretty good track record of, <laughs> of hiring 
performers. We talked about some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes of the first show, like a lot of shows, not only live shows like Saturday Night Live, but even filmed, you know, comedies or filmed dramas. It almost always takes a few shows for a program to find its footing. In the case of Saturday Night Live, it was the first show hosted by Candace Bergen, where everything sort of came together. Yeah, what was that, Jeff? The fourth show, I think? I, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, it took them about four shows uh, to really, for Lauren to find the rhythm that really worked and for everything to fall into place. Um, and it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's been pretty much the same format ever since. <laughs> you know, when um, when uh, Herb Schlosser sent that, that memo, I don't recall whether it was he said this in the memo or whether he said it to us because we did have some interviews with him. But uh, what he was looking for back then is he wanted to make his mark on NBC. He looked around and he saw that The Tonight Show had been there for 20-something years, The Today Show had been there for 20-something years, and what he wanted to do was create a franchise. That's what he had in mind. And I'll tell you something, as, as the, show, uh, the show, as you pointed out, this year begins its 40th season on air, and if that doesn't define a franchise, then nothing does. One more item. Here's something a lot of us have in common. Broken appliances. Broken air conditioner. Broken down heating system. Broken down washer dryer. Broken down refrigerator. And if you're a homeowner, you know just how expensive it is to get one of those things fixed, let alone what happens if more than one appliance breaks down at the same time. Well, if you're a homeowner, you can get all of your appliances on a warranty plan that guarantees protection for all of your home appliances in case they break down. And best of all, it will only cost you about a dollar a day. Call the Home Service Club at 800-264-3168, 800-264-3168. The call is free, and if you're one of the first 25 callers, your first month membership in the Home Service Club will also be free. Home Service Club, warranty plan, Guarantees protection for all of your appliances for less than a dollar a day. 800-264-3168. 800-264-3168. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first time home buyer, or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.